0: Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. It is great to be up here this morning as we wrap up our series, Testing Our Assurance in the Book of First John. We'll be doing a few standalones until we get into our next series. But it's good to be up here to, to wrap this up. We heard a lot of great sermons, how we as Christians can test our salvation and we can be assured of our salvation. It's good to know if you're saved. Amen. Amen. Now, there's a saying, once saved, always saved. And we do agree with that. But we like to say, if saved always saved. Because we know if we are truly saved, we cannot lose our salvation. But more importantly, if we know that we're saved, we can be confident in our salvation. It really helps to bring our Christian walk to life. Last week, Pastor Matt preached uh, a confident communication. And if we are confident in our salvation, we could confidently pray to God knowing that he hears us. It's very important. Let's see what God has us for this morning. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for this opportunity where I can come and and speak, Lord, your word. Lord, let it be your word and not my words. Lord, uh, let your word meet its mark this morning, Lord. I know that there's someone here that came to hear your word this morning, Lord, and I just pray that it makes its mark. In Jesus' name, amen. There was an article has happened in Arizona at a zoo March of this year of a woman clawed by a jaguar after climbing over a barrier wall to get a selfie. Look at that thing. Now, wait a minute. Do you say jaguar or jaguar? Because one way I feel like a hillbilly, like, look at that jaguar. And the other way I feel like a pompous Englishman, look at the jaguar. We'll just say jag from now on. But anyways, so look at this thing. So this woman climbs over this barrier to go up against the cage to get a nice selfie of her and this jag. So this jag reaches through the cage and grabs her. One witness, Adam Wilkerson, said he was at the zoo with his family when someone came running around the corner yelling for help. Without thinking, he had no idea what he was going to see, but he just ran over there. He saw a woman pinned up against the fence with her arm caught in the jag's claws. Wilkerson said that the 30-year-old woman, he didn't want to pull her off because he could tell that the claws were deep into her flesh. In an effort to distract the jag, his mother stuck a water bottle through the cage and distracted it. The jag let go, and they pulled her to safety. In a 911 call obtained by CNN, a zoo employee can be heard saying that the woman's arm was, quote, unquote, in pretty bad shape. Her arm was in pretty bad shape. I guess that makes sense. So when I hear this story, my first thought is, what in the world is wrong with this woman? Is she nuts? She climbs over a barrier wall to get close to this cage with this kind of animal behind it. Now, what you might not know about the jag, it's one of my favorite animals. Uh, But anyways, it it grows anywhere between 150 to to 220 pounds. But pound for pound, it's one of the most powerful creatures on the planet. It's known to make a kill of a a deer or or some kind of water buffalo, wherever it, it needs to eat, and actually drag it up a tree to eat because it's a solitary animal. Now, this animal can drag its own body weight up a tree so that it could eat in safety. In Central America and South America, it's known as the ghost of the jungle, not only because it just appears and disappears at will, but it's known that hunting parties that go out, all of a sudden, one will just be missing. No sound, no sign, they're just missing. So these animals are perfect killers they're man-eaters but yet this woman just wanted a good picture it's kind of mind-boggling but you think about it as christians we do stuff like this all the time let me explain you see if you're a christian this morning that means that you put your saving faith in what christ did on the cross to save you and deliver you from your sin but yet we sometimes return to our sins. It's like God has gone through all this trouble to put this protective barrier around us from the sin in this world, sin that we can control, I'm saying, and yet somehow we justify going against the very thing God tells us to go back to those sins and revisit them. Is that any different than climbing over a barrier wall to get mauled by a jag? See, a lot of people will look at, at the Bible and they say, oh, that, that's kind of rough. It's this whole rule book of do's and don'ts. You know, I, I, I kind of don't like that. This do's and don'ts, this God who sits in heaven, he just wants to control my life with all these do's and don'ts. Let me tell you, all of God's do's and don'ts for us are for our benefit and our protection. All of them. God wants good things for his children. He doesn't control uh, like some maniacal maniac from heaven. He has all these do's and don'ts so that we can benefit and that we can be uh, protected from those things. Although we just don't do it all the time. I have a confession to make to you this morning. Some of you know this story. I was coming back uh, January 1st, it was New Year's Day, I was coming back from spending some time with some family in Atlanta, and my wife and I had just gotten annual passes to Busch Gardens, that was kind of our Christmas uh, present to each other, so we're like, you know what, we'll leave Atlanta, we'll come back a day early, and we'll just get a cheap hotel and we'll get to enjoy the park, because we already have the tickets. So it'll be nice and easy. We won't have to drive all the way. We'll stay, you know, two-thirds of the, drive two-thirds of the way, stay in a hotel, go to Busch Gardens for the day. Well, I'm driving back from Atlanta, and as if you've made that trip from Atlanta to here, you know that is a lot of very long, straight roads. It's basically, you're on I-75 the whole time. Not a lot going on. Well, traffic happened to be moving very quickly that day, so I'm just kind of in my own little pack of traffic. Honestly, I'm not even paying attention to my speed limit, which I probably should have been. And I'm thinking, you know what? Everybody's moving so fast. I, it doesn't matter. I could just go a little bit faster. You know, it's, it's, I'm still staying with the pack, and my time's going to be great. You know, because you want to beat that time, the time on the GPS. Well, it says seven hours. Well, I bet you I can make it in six and a half, you know, because we got to do that. Well, one of Cordell County's finest in Georgia was sitting on an overpass, and he clocked the pack of traffic I was in, and guess who he pulls over? This guy. He pulls me over. Sir, do you have any idea how fast you were going? I had to be honest with him. I said, not really. Which he didn't like my answer. He slapped me with one of the biggest tickets I've ever gotten in my entire life. If you could think of a speeding ticket that you've gotten in your life, times that by three. He wanted to make sure that I learned my lesson. So as a consequence, we did not go to Bush Gardens. We did not get a hotel. I had that giant ticket staring me in the face, and I said, honey, we're just going to have to finish out this trip and drive home a day early, which my wife was not too happy about. But the point is, is that laws that were put there to protect us, laws that make sense that are there for my protection, because I was inconvenienced, I broke the law. I did the crime. I had to pay the the fine. Fortunately, my boss at the paint store let me work some overtime that helped me catch up to it and and pay that ticket off. But because of my actions, because of my sin, I decided, I made that decision. I don't care about this silly little law. It doesn't really pertain to me. Plus, I want to get to where I'm going faster. I had to suffer the consequences that I brought on myself huge fine, no fun at bush gardens, and a very upset wife. See, we do these things all this time, all the time, and it's, if you really think about it, it's quite foolish. It's foolish that we put ourselves in these situations. You know, sin in this world, we, we live in a sin-cursed world, and it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's no different when we do these things to... to See that barrier wall that's meant for our protection, yet we're going to cross it anyway because we want to get a good selfie picture. That's why this morning our sermon title is The Foolishness of Sin. It is really foolish, a lot of the things that we do to ourselves. I had an old pastor that once had this saying. He says, sin will always take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay every time. If you allow that sin into your life, it will take you further than you thought you'd ever go, and it will end up costing you more than you were ever willing to pay. Let's get into our text this morning. We're in 1 John 5, 16 through, uh, chapter 5, 16 through 21. We're wrapping up the book, but let's dive right in. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that leads to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, the whole world lies in power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come to give us understanding, so, the, so that we may know him who is true, we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. If we take these five verses and we boil them down to one main point, we get this. God wants to keep his children safe from sin and its consequences. God wants to keep his children safe from sin and its consequences. Just like that four-foot wall was keeping that woman safe from that jag, God wants to keep us safe from the consequences of our own silly decisions sometimes. Let's break these verses down to see why that's true. Go back to verse six, verses 16 and 17. Sin is destructive. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that's not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that does lead to death. I say, do not pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now there's a lot going on in these first two verses um, that it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around. So let's, let's kind of come in, in in a laser focus and break this down. First of all, he says, see, if you see a brother in sin, pray for them. That's easy, right? That's really what we should be doing. If we see a brother trapped or sister trapped in sin, it's kind of like our first knee jerk reaction is to judge them or to gossip about them, isn't it? It's almost like if you say, hey, I, I saw Mike doing something, Pastor Matt. Can you believe Mike did that? It's, 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 it's my first inclination. My first inclination, what John's saying, is that we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them because we love them and they are our brothers and sisters. Sin is hurtful to our brothers and sisters. Not only could it hurt us, physically, but it hurts us spiritually. If you're a Christian here this morning and you have unconfessed sin in your life, it's something that the Holy Spirit has been convicting you of, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, and it's unconfessed, that could be kind of messing up your relationship with God right now. What it does, it can quench the Holy Spirit that lives inside you it could kind of almost limit the power of what God wants to do in your life because you're kind of out of fellowship with him. Now, you're still saved. Don't get me wrong. But your relationship with God is not as it should be. So it's very important that we keep our sin account, our bank account, very very light. If you have sin in your life, confess it. Get rid of it. Don't let it affect you. That's what John's saying. But then he says this, he says, but there's a sin that does lead to death and doesn't lead to death. What does that mean? Well, this means, in, in that term that's used in, in the scripture here, it's, it means sin that is deadly. Now, there's two major veins of thought within in this, and both have pretty good theology behind them. One is, this sin that leads to death is the sin of unbelief. It's someone who's claiming to be a Christian but they're not loving their brothers and sisters, they're not following commandments, and they don't really even identify Jesus as God. So they're identifying themselves as brothers and sisters, but they're really not. That's one view of the sin that leads to death. There's another view that it could be is that a Christian that has unrepentant sin in their life and their heart has become so hardened to it that God limits their life on earth. He basically says, you've raked my name through the mud for way too long, and now it's my job to put an end to it. But listen, here's the point. Whether it's a Christian that has unrepentant sin and refuses and rebels against God, or it's someone that's unsaved, both of those are out of pride and rebellion. Maybe John left this a little vague because he was alluding to both. Maybe those who were never Christians or those who were believers refused to listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's alluding to both of those. Either way, what I say is that it's above our pay grade. It's not my job to judge someone's salvation. All I can do is is understand the gospel and explain the gospel, which is understanding that you are a sinner, repenting from that sin, and asking forgiveness. I think the reason why John is saying this, especially when he says that there's a sin that leads to death in verse 16, I do not say that one should pray for that. I believe that it has everything to do with the heart of the sinner. Let me ask you this question. Can you save someone from their sin by... Asking God to forgive them? If they are not repenting and believing in what Jesus did on the cross, can your prayers save them? Absolutely not. We don't believe that you can pray somebody in or out of heaven or the church or anything else. We believe in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's my decision and my job to understand that I have sin in my life and that I need to repent and I need to believe and I need to ask for forgiveness. Nobody else can do that for me. So I believe that's the kind of sin that John's talking about. Don't even waste your breath praying for that. If that person doesn't understand they're a sinner and they're refusing to repent and believe, you can't ask God to forgive them. Now what we can do is ask that God reveal truth to them, amen? We want them to know the truth. We love the unrepentant sinner, because that's us sometimes. We want people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ and understand their sin. That is our job. So who cares, May, whether it's a, a Christian that's in rebellion or a Christian that, or a, 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 someone that's professing to be a Christian that's not? I'm going to pray for them anyway. But I'm not going to pray for forgiveness. I'm going to pray for that God will open their eyes to the truth. And that brings us to our first point. We must pray for those caught up in sin. It is serious and hurtful to our brothers and sisters. We must pray for those caught up in sin. It is serious and it is hurtful to our brothers and sisters. Next, John goes into, we have been given the power over sin and death. We know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in power of the evil one, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. For he is the true God in eternal life. So the first thing we see in verse 18 is John saying, we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep sinning. Now again, that can be viewed in different ways. But here's the point. We're saved. I'm a believer. Do I continue sinning? Yes. Absolutely. What John, thanks Matt, what John is alluding to is that I don't have a lifestyle of sin. Think of it this way. If if a prostitute came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, she is given a new heart and she's made a new creation. Therefore, she's not going to continue her line of work the Holy Spirit will not allow her to continue that line of work because it is sinful against God. So therefore, while she still might mess up sometimes, she still might fall into sin's temptation, her lifestyle of sin is over. And that's not something that we do ourselves. It is something that the Holy Spirit enlightens us to, and she simply, if she is truly saved, could not carry on the same way. That is what John means when he says, now we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep sinning. Let me ask you this. Does the Holy Spirit convict you of sin in your life? That is a great sign that you are saved. That you are truly saved, that you can be assured of your salvation. Now, I'm not talking about something like, oh, I did something wrong and I feel guilty. Uh, Like, I hope I don't get caught or I might get a big speeding ticket. I'm not talking about feeling bad about those things. I'm talking about when you do something wrong, you almost get that kicked in the stomach feeling. Like, oh, that just does not sit right with me. I have to do something to make that right. That is the Holy Spirit convicting you of what you did so that, not so that you could be punished or feel bad, it's so that you can make it right. In verse 19 he says, we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Do you know that right now that Satan is the ruler of this world? God has allowed him to be the ruler of this world. But make no mistake, greater is the one that lives inside us than the ruler of this world. We have a God that has spoken forth a universe that is so big we still can't measure it. He came to earth and died for our sins so that we would have the chance to be forgiven and to know him. Not only that, but he's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside us, to be our guide. How, knowing all this, do we fall in temptation and sin? God has come to give us understanding so that we know him, we're in him. And who is this God? Well, it says it right there in verse 20. Jesus, the true God, lives inside us through the Holy Spirit. It says that he is the true God and the eternal life. That is the one that you have dwelling inside you. A Christian that returns to their sin is like that woman climbing over that barrier to be mauled by a jaguar. It brings us to our second point, though, Jesus is the true God. He has defeated sin and death, and because of that, we can have victory over sin. That is what we need to concentrate on. That is what we need to remind ourselves. There is literally no reason for us to make ourselves susceptible to Satan or this, the sin in this world, because Jesus, the true God of the universe, has already defeated sin and death, and because of that, we can have victory over it. And it reminds us of our main point, God wants to keep his children safe from sin and its consequence. God does not want us being messed up by that. He wants to keep us safe from sin and its consequence, John ends the book, the book of 1 John with this. He could have ended it with anything, which I, I thought this was kind of a, amazing the way he ended it. He says this as a, as a warning, but also as a sign of encouragement. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. It's kind of a weird thing that he says here because we're talking about those that are falling into sin and those that make personal decisions that, you know, are are opening themselves up to temptation and sin. And he says, but wait a minute, we have to remember, keep yourself from idols. Well, what is an idol? An idol is simply anything that you worship other than God. Anything. Anything. It doesn't have to be a, a little golden calf. It doesn't have to be a, a little wooden idol. It doesn't have to be even any religious thing. Here's, here's it's, it's easily put, what rules your life? What do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on? What do you look towards for peace and joy? That is an idol if it's placed above God. So John warns us like, Like this, when we worship idols, we are making ourselves susceptible to the lies and the powers of this world. John says, keep away from those things because they will control you. We have three major enemies in this battle against idols. And that's, first of all, Satan. Because he, the Bible says, he's like a a lion out there roaming around looking for those he may devour Let me make this clear. Satan does not like us because we are God's children. And the only only recourse Satan has against God because he's already been defeated is that he could attack us and hurt us. That is the only recourse that Satan has against God. But secondly, we have the world. We have a sin-cursed world filled with temptation that when you leave this building, even after this service, You are going to enter into a world that is filled with temptation. It's filled with other sinners that might make decisions that might affect your life. So that's the other enemy. But the third enemy we have, which I believe is the greatest of all, is our flesh. We are our own worst enemy. Amen? Amen? I think some days Satan sits back and he just laughs. He's like, I don't even have to attack these people. Look what they're doing to themselves. They're climbing over walls to get mauled by Jags. I don't have to lift a finger today. Thanks, guys, you got this covered. There was a great quote. I, I searched for the, the source of it. I couldn't find it. So we'll just say it's from an unknown source. Um, it put, he put it this way. Outside influence can only control us to the degree that we offer ourselves to them. Think about that. Outside influence only has as much platform in our lives as we give it. If we completely, completely not allow Satan and his lies to enter in and we don't invite them in, he has no power over us. He finishes this quote with, the time has come to offer our lives fully and permanently to God for his use. Think about that. I know it's so hard for us humans because we, we, get it, we take our eyes off of things. If we can offer our lives fully to God in his service, Satan cannot touch us. It brings us to our third point. When we stay fixed upon Jesus, sin and death have no power over us. That's our problem. Again, our flesh. We don't always stay fixed on Christ. We like to take our eyes off of Jesus. And we like to, you know, I'll handle this. I'll take care of this. I can do this. I can defeat this sin in my own power. I can make this decision in my own power. I can run my life in my own power. And that is the very second where Satan steps in and says, I got this now. As Mike comes up and as we wrap this up, I just want to close by reminding us a few things. God wants us to take sin very seriously in our lives so that we could have victory over it. Not only that, but he wants us to pray for our brothers and sisters so they can have victory over their sin. We're reminded that we must pray for those caught up in sin. It's serious and it's hurtful to our brothers and sisters. If we love each other like we're supposed to, we should be praying for each other. Amen? Amen. Listen, I need your prayers. Pastor Matt needs your prayers. The leadership in this church needs your prayers so that we can make the right decisions. Do you make it a habit to pray for others around you for sin? Next, we remember Jesus is the true God. He's defeated sin and death, and and because of that, we can have victory over it. So the job's already done. All we do is have to just join in with what God is already doing. He's already fought the battle. It's already done. We already know the end. We can have that victory. Death is God's way of showing that he's serious about sin, but the cross is his way of showing us he's serious about forgiveness. Are you serious about sin in your life? Personally, are you serious about watching those sinful tendencies that you know you have? Or maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I've been dealing with this one sin Maybe it's pride, maybe it's anger, maybe maybe it's lust, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's the sin of fear that's keeping you from doing the very thing that God wants you to do. I can promise you this morning, if you give that to God and have faith that the victory is already won, He will give you victory over sin. And how do we do this? Our third point, when we stay fixed upon Jesus, sin and death have no power over us. I call this stupid human tricks. I do it all the time. I take my eyes off of Christ and I put them on me. If we stay fixed upon Christ and his work on the cross, sin and death have no power over us. And finally, remember, God wants to keep his children safe from sin and its consequences let pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you have called us to pray for each other. We are the body of Christ and we must function together in unity. Lord, we need each other. We must all take sin seriously in our lives and pray for others around us that we see trapped by sin, just as you told us to. Praise you, Father, that you've made a way for us to be saved. Lord, if there's someone here this morning, that is not saved, they do not know that saving grace and that new life and that new heart, Lord. I just pray that you are pricking their heart now and putting that on their hearts and minds, Lord, so that when they hear the gospel, they can respond. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information. Look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.